3: the questions are going to get intense all right hashtag hot if, topics if i'm go. brave enough i still don't know if i'm brave enough to click on a couple of these topics welcome to the podcast guys one of my best buddies one of my favorite guests is back your favorite guest too bernie calcote Welcome back to the podcast. Glad to be back. This is episode 103. Yep. On this podcast, we answer questions as if we're sitting around a campfire. You have a question, and then me and Bernie walk it through. We have no notes on this table. We don't have anything here to look at, and we're going to walk through it as if we're hearing it real time. I have read some of these questions. I, Bern, I was going to tell you, <laughs> we, we've we been talking for like 30 minutes about our own stuff, which is just what we do. But I was going to tell you if we hadn't have done that, I was going to tell you that these questions today are pretty intense. It's going to be a pretty intense episode. Awesome. And I was going (laughs) to, I I was going to break a rule and do something I've never done before. And I was going to show you some of these questions before we even started the podcast. Okay. But But you didn't do that. I didn't do that. (laughs) So we're sticking with the rule. Um, there is no preparation beforehand. Um, so, you, you, with that kind of introduction, are you ready for this? Yeah, uh, I mean, I'm not ready, but you know. <laughs> okay, all right. Let me let me dive in. Well, I think we're going to hit some things that we um, we're, we might we might go deeper on episode one three than we typically do. So, buckle up your seatbelts if you're commuting to work right now. If you're over the road trucker, whatever you're doing, however you listen to this podcast on the Monday morning. Thank you for that. Um, there's no, there's no total easy way into this, but I'm going to start with.
4: Let me, let me just say real yeah, quick go ahead, go for, for me and Grizz, like before we answer any of these questions, just know that we do it with the most humility possible. Um, we we understand that we are just two broken people um, trying to trying our best to abide in God's love and accept what we did not earn, and and some of these views and these answers really represent our experience and our understanding of life and of God's Word at this moment in time. Yeah. Because there has definitely been, even recently, where I have dug deeper into God's Word and realized, wow, I thought it meant this and it means that, and that would some in some way change an answer that I may give to a podcast listener, so this this is like um, uh, this moment in time that the this is kind of where we feel like um, God has brought us and what uh, He's taught us through His Word and through our experience, and so please. Um, we we pray that you receive it with that same
3: attitude. I think that was a really eloquent way of saying sometimes we're wrong. Yes. <laughs> sometimes <laughs> <Okay>. we're wrong. <laughs> and and it would never be our intention. Uh, what, this podcast is is answering your questions to a specific email. Grangersmithpodcast at gmail.com. If you have anything, email that podcast and I'll read through them. now. The intensity of the, your questions has raised over the last few years. It started out, "How do you play guitar?" and I think it's really gotten uh, to a to a point where people are we're seeing um, the broken state of the world right now, and, and people have people are are dealing with some serious issues. They're struggling, and um, they're find they're trying to find answers however they can, and 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 I I feel the weight of that. I feel the responsibility of that. Although I know that I'm not the final answer. Um, we're just burning are going to walk through, um, how, how we would answer it or how we would deal with it if it was in our life. So I think Burns saying the right, he's saying all the right things that, um, we're not, we're not always right, but we will, we we come with the most humble heart. Mm. The crazy thing about this is how this podcast has become one of the top podcasts in all of music genres. And it, it just blows my mind that with with the intensity of the questions that have come in, it has raised the popularity of this podcast. So um, I also feel the weight of that, and I feel the the weight of the listeners, and we love you guys seriously.
4: Yeah, y'all are awesome. I mean the the amount of engagement that they have, and the amount of questions, and like how specific they are, and the eagerness to listen, and the you know the. Comments back of how much they enjoy it. Um, you tell me the stories about at the meet and greets, how
3: they reference the
4: podcast. Yeah, and
3: yeah. Um, That's awesome, man. Well, let's start with this one. It All says, right. I would like to stay anonymous. That's how it starts. First, well, one warning. <laughs> when
4: you say to stay anonymous, we can't guarantee that Granger will... Not say your name. So just, it, just Disclaimer, yeah. just put that
3: out there. I'm going to work so hard on it's keeping everyone times. It has. But it says, first of all, I love the podcast, Keep Doing Great Things. And then it says, I'm in my second trimester of pregnancy. My sister and her husband have been trying to get pregnant for over a year now, and they've been very angry at me and my fiance ever since we told them the news that we were pregnant. I've tried to be sensitive and sympathetic about their infertility and they've made it very clear that it was important to them that they had the first grandbaby in the family, parentheses, which I don't understand why it's so important. Each grandbaby will be loved just as much as the first. And that's why they are so upset. They have also said some pretty nasty things about me and my fiance and have made it clear that they will not support us. I've been nothing but kind and apologetic to them, and I find their words hurtful. How do I go about saving this relationship with my sister while being sensitive about their infertility? Or do I push their toxic behavior away and do what's best for my baby and my fiancé? I told my twin sister, who was married, that... Had they been the first ones to get pregnant first, they wouldn't be as angry because they didn't have a baby outside of marriage like me. I feel that the problem isn't that my fiance and I got pregnant outside of marriage, but something deeper that they won't say. Sorry for the long email. Thanks for in, in advance. Um, I don't have a reference to where they, where they where anonymous lives, but uh, we have a twin sister mm-hmm. married, trying to get pregnant, struggling with infertility. And then the other twin is now pregnant. W- where do we go with the spurns? Where do we start with uh, miss anonymous here? Does she have a specific question that you could read again? Was the it how the do- question is, is twofold. How do I go about saving this relationship with my sister while being sensitive about their infertility? Or do I push their toxic behavior away and do what's best for my baby and my fiance? Hmm.
4: Anonymous, this one hits pretty close to home. Granger and I just spent about an hour talking about something very similar. Yeah. Um, when do you when do you continue to expose yourself to a potential, you know, uh, manipulation or toxic relationship? When do you you know preserve and when do you sacrifice for the sake of reconciliation? It's a great question.
3: Yeah. Infertility is, is no joke. And it, it hurts, it hurts, it hurts families. Um, There is a, there's a certain level when infertility, um, whether they admit it or not makes the woman feel lesser of a woman. There is a, there is a innate desire in a a woman to, to, to um, procreate and to be useful, her make her body useful in the in the way that it's it's created to be used, and when it doesn't work that way, then I think they feel, um, like I said, whether they admit it or not, there is a there is an idea that uh, that an evil idea that creeps into their head that they are lesser of a woman. Um, I, I first want to say anonymous. I, I do. Bernie and I are both agree that it's very very important that you do get married. Um. That, that I don't think that's the issue with this question. I don't think that's the issue with your twin sister. Um, I think you would know that. I think that would be very clear. She would say, you should be married. So, although I don't think that's part of your problem, on the outside of your question i do think it's very important that you hustle this marriage along that you don't the, the wedding and that you don't sit on this engagement for a long time and make some big extravagant expensive many multiple guests make a big deal out of it i think that will also hurt the relationship with your sister but for many other reasons i think you you rush this process along i i personally believe And I've said it before on here that I think um, in this culture, we, we kind of idolize the wedding ceremony more than it should be when the, what it represents is far greater than how you present it in one day and the dress and the flowers and the band and the the guest and the food and the venue and the preacher and everything we just kind of idolize that. And I think it, it has become blown way out of proportion. I think it's important. It's important to celebrate that. Yeah, it's
4: important. But the wedding day industry blowing up the way that it has versus the statistics of divorce and marriage is... Absolutely. Kind of not in line with where it needs to be, like we need to focus on like our marriages and not just the wedding. I think that's what you're getting at,
3: yeah, absolutely so i would I would lean in hard to your fiance and um and wrap this up pretty quick, go to the justice of the peace, get your license have a small if it's if it's about if you're prolonging because of a venue that's booked till october of twenty twenty three or whatever just Make that a fun reception. Plan a big ten-year anniversary party, and put a lot of eggs in that basket. But don't don't prolong this. I would say get this done pretty quick. But I don't think that's the underlying issue of why her sister's mad. I think this is an infertility thing. Um. So I think anonymous. I think you you lean into your sister with nothing but grace and and humbleness and kindness, which you say that you're doing. I would say lean harder, lean into that harder.
1: Now
4: I'm listening to your answer. Cause like I'm, I'm processing it and yeah. something that's happened in my own life. Like how, how do we, so I'm with the anonymous, how do we lean in harder? What does that look like? Um, I mean, maybe it, it means meeting her where she is and, and truly trying to empathize and 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 show her that your heart is broken with her broken heart if if she mm-hmm. really is broken with this inability to have a baby and like she's struggling with this like going to her and be like sis like i am just devastated with you like i really i hate that this is how this is going i do wish it was different i wish it could be like this and and mm-hmm. talk about it and you know, maybe talk to her about, like, you know, if if there's anything else going on that is keeping her from accepting what reality is. Yeah. Um, I I think that that can be sometimes very destructive in every kind of relationship, whether it's your marriage, with your kids, with your friends, is when we are unable to control something. And then we respond in a way that is not accepting of the, the reality that God has put in front of us.
3: I'm, I'm kind of thinking now that maybe I misinterpreted one part of this. She said in this last paragraph, they also told my twin sister who was married that they um, should have been the ones that get pregnant. So, so that's not the twin. So there's it's another that. sister. It's though. another sister,
4: and then you you have the older sister. Maybe that's probably the they older thought, sister, yeah.
3: which is the hierarchy of they should have had the baby first, right? Okay, okay, okay that makes okay. sense. I'm pulling this together. Um, um, you could use your twin sister as an asset to this problem. I think this this might be a three sister conversation, mm-hmm. um, and and I think the one the one thing you don't do is push her away. That was your one of your questions. Do I push? Push their toxic behavior away. You could you could push their toxic behavior away, but you don't push her away, because she's your sister, and uh, I I I just think you just overwhelm her with grace, and you take the hit, you take the blows. Yeah, I feel like you said this on the last
4: podcast with Parker, or maybe the one before where. Everything that you, all this toxic behavior or whatever she's saying to you, if you just come back to her immediately with humility, no, I, I know you're absolutely right. Hmm. It's like, she can't keep going. Like, yes. that's where that, you know, like uh, approaching it with humility, even though anonymous, we know that's not an easy thing to do. It's not going to no. be easy no. for her to do. And maybe just like take, like you're saying, just take the blow and like, um, and also understanding that this is family. This yeah. is a sister. Yeah. This is a lifetime. And maybe this is something that's going to take four or five years. Are you are you willing to kind of like take the small little steps? Hey, you know, yeah. in the next month, I, I hope to just like have coffee with her and listen and ask some questions. and And then maybe by the end of the year we can get to the point where it's not the main
3: focus and you know. Yeah, totally. I, I think last thing I might say here is that I probably wouldn't glorify this baby to, to your sister very often. Like I wouldn't be texting her pictures of the sonogram mm-hmm. and saying, you know, third trimester, here we come, you know, so excited about October 5th, you know, or what? whatever. Um, you might lay off that kind of stuff. You might, might just downplay this a little bit more. Maybe maybe you're on Instagram posting tons of pictures of the new nursery that you just made and the new crib you just bought. And maybe maybe for your sister's sake, you pump the brakes on that a little bit um, out of respect for her her pain. This baby is going to be a huge blessing to you and your, your very, very, very soon-to-be husband, we hope. Um, this is going to be a huge blessing. And so that you don't need to glorify it anymore externally to convince anyone else of that.
4: No, I, I completely agree. You also do have to understand that you cannot change anyone's heart. No. So no. Um, all you can do, all you can control, is the way that you respond. You can control the amount of grace and patience and humility that you come with. Um, if your sister is still harboring, it, and it may not be against you, it may have nothing to do with you. Mm. It may just be. It probably a, doesn't. A, a lot of jealousy, a lot of insecurity and so just continue to you know that that would just be my advice is like continue to pursue it with humility and when you're not with her just continue to intercede and pray for her heart that that god would restore what's broken and what she feels like is lost and and missing that god would be what fills that and then hopefully that relationship can start to um kind of bond again around that.
3: Yeah. I think this is going to get, the situation is going to get worse before it gets better. I'd be prepared for that. You're only in the second trimester. I will also say that one year of infertility is not that long in, in terms of people dealing with infertility. Right. Um, Yeah. Thank you so much for this email and uh, we wish the best for you.
4: Yeah. Keep us posted too. I'd love for you to email back in uh, because a lot of times we hear these questions and (laughs) we give advice And kind of send you off and hope for the best. But we really do would love to hear, like, um, how things progress and um, what we could learn maybe from, you know, like if we gave terrible advice, it's like, hey, y'all should never tell anybody
3: that Absolutely. (laughs) It would be great. Next question says, Granger, first, let me say thank you for your music and Yee Yee Nation, and thank you for allowing God to work in your life. It's inspiring and helps me each day to be a better husband and a man. Thank you, buddy. Recently, my wife and I started the process to adopt a 19-year-old young man. We have known him for years, and when we worked at the children's home as, uh, as his house parents, we stayed in touch with him, and he has had a sp- very special place in our hearts. But he's always lacked that sense of family. His dad isn't really in his life, and neither is his mom but in a recent phone call i had a conversation with him that started we and we started talking about family and by the time it was over we invited him to be a part of our family and then he revealed to us in tears that that is what he has always wanted it's, it's we have an amazing lawyer who has helped us and that's been such a blessing and we could be that family that he has never had we said that We're, we're the only one. He said that we're the only ones that love him, care about him, or even call him. And this morning he texted me to say, hi, dad, how are you? My heart melted. And yes, I've always loved him like a son. We have no other kids of our own. And because my wife has struggled with infertility and the chances of pregnancy is low. So this is different for us, even as former house parents, foster parents, he has a good heart and just a good old country boy, but he does need a good to get his GED or diploma. And he is in a relationship with a girl who is not good for him. I need advice on how to encourage this young man to do the right thing. I want to be the best man he can, not only for himself, but for the Lord as well. We look forward to sharing life with this young man. The lights just flickered for some reason while I was reading this. <sighs> um, this comes from Brian. Not sure where Brian's from. Thank you for for the email, and thank you for your 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 heavy heart, you and your wife. And this is a great follow up to the infertility uh, mm-hmm. question. You know, yeah. we're following yeah. it up with uh, with an adoption, a really really unique adoption situation of a nineteen year old. But go go ahead, Burns. Yeah, I was just
4: gonna say it sounds like the question is not should we move forward with adopting him yes. or should we move forward with, or, or how do we make him a part of our family? It sounds like they've had that conviction. They've moved forward with it. Everybody's in agreement. It's more like, how do we transition to being parent mm-hmm. leader figures for him? And now Difficult. as we're taking on a a new role
3: in this, in this boy's life, yeah, this young man's life, that 19, is t- that is tough. Yeah, that is tough. Um, I personally have never come across this kind of situation. I know that you have adopted an adopted child, but you adopted her as a baby, as an infant, right? Was she, it? She she was foster care for the first year of her life. Okay, okay. Yeah, One so year. she
4: came at seven weeks to us, but okay, a little different than nineteen for sure.
3: My first thought is is whoa. I don't think I would immediately start implementing. Um, a father figure in his relationship with a girl and getting his G and GED or diploma. Mm-hmm. Did you think that it's like we came right out of adoption and tears and melted hearts and we're right into, Hey, we need him to break up with this girlfriend. Yeah.
4: There's a, there's a few things that jumped out that I feel like both sides maybe jump jumping the gun a little bit. And, and I could be wrong here. Um, we're hearing this first time and you're not, you know, around the campfire. So I can't ask you a bunch of questions, but, um, for the boy. And I don't know how long they said that they were in, you know, uh, some kind of foster care situation, maybe mm-hmm. with him before, but for him to like, start texting this guy, good morning, dad, and calling him dad. Like, I don't know how soon it is, but it feels like this, they had this conversation and then it was like, I'm going to just start doing this. um, I feel like there may be some kind of like uh, longing for that in the boy mm-hmm. um, that I would, I don't know if I would necessarily tell him not to do that, but that this is the same people that he's known for a long time. And uh, I feel like there should just be like a natural progression of like as it was we're just continuing to go deeper together and then the same thing with the parents like it's it feels like they're both they were kind of at a certain level together of of relationship and care for each other and then they just kind of had this conversation it was like well let's just go jump into the deep end now mm. Instead of like, well, no, just keep wading out into the water together.
3: Yeah, don't. That's a great idea. You yeah, don't,
4: don't just like take the just one step at a time. Just keep wading out in the water. Okay,
3: together. okay. So wh- here's what I hear. What I hear you saying, wading out into the water. I think this is what this might mean. He, he say he's a good country boy. I think that means you say, hey, he doesn't have say have his name here, but hey, son, I booked us a trip in October to Montana, and we're going to go out, me and you, we're going to go trout fishing in this lake. We're going to spend seven days, me and you, and we're going to go out. We're going to camp. We're going to fish. We're going to hike. We're going to take in this incredible, the incredible mountains of Montana or wherever. And during that trip, you start instilling, first of all, you're there for him forever now. You're, you will start encouraging. You said, how, I need to encourage him how to do the right thing. You show him. And in and, and this camping trip, when you're out there in the mountains and you hear this beautiful stream rolling by and you say, tell me about your girlfriend. What's she like? Like what, what is it, How do you feel about her? And and how does she make you feel good about yourself? And just walk through it. And then as he brings up the red flags, you make him answer those red red flags for himself. Mm-hmm. So instead of just be coming right in with this iron fist, yeah, he's like, yeah, she's great. Well, she does, you know, she does get on me a lot about my bad this habit. And and then you just go, well, how does well, that how does that make you feel? Yeah.
4: No man, I I think you just nailed it. This is the answer to his question because whether it's in you know parenting, marriage, business, what, wherever you are, I feel like the the best leaders know how to ask these profound, impactful, amazing questions. Yeah. that just draw the truth out of people instead of you trying to force it into them. Yeah. So you're absolutely right. Take him on this trip. Me and Granger will go, too, and if y'all need us <laughs> to. I uh, love to fish up there. But, um, And just go ask him a bunch of questions in a way that's like, I genuinely want to know these things. Because mm-hmm. I guarantee you, um, this kid is 19 now, so he's not a kid. He's an adult. And knowing kids that have been through a lot in their life, whether it's foster care or otherwise... He's resilient. He's stronger than you think. And he doesn't need you to tell him what to do. He just needs you to help guide him and process with him.
3: There's a good chance you come back from this camping trip, and the first thing he does is break up with, with his girlfriend and start pursuing a GED. Yep. Without you even saying it. Yep. <laughs> it's a great question, brother. Let's uh, let's take a break, and we'll be right back. Podcast is brought to you guys today by Athletic. Greens. One tasty scoop of Athletic Greens contains 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food sourced ingredients, including a multivitamin, multimineral, probiotic, green superfood blend, and more. They all work together to fill the nutritional gap in your diet, increase energy and focus, aid with digestion, and supports a healthy immune system, all without the need to take multiple products. So what the heck is Athletic Greens? I could tell you personally, because I started reading it on this podcast. They sent me a sample. I took that sample. I liked it so much that then I went to their website and subscribed To a monthly subscription to Athletic Greens. It comes in the mail. It's an amazing product. It's a a green superfood powder. And you take one scoop of it. I take two. You could put it in water. You put it in juice. I put it in a protein shake in the mornings. And it gives me everything I need in my greens so I don't have to sit there and eat salad all day. And I feel better doing it. And I know that I'm getting what I need because it's Athletic Greens, and they have an incredible track record. It's lifestyle-friendly. It's keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free. Gluten-free, contains less than one gram of sugar without compromising taste. So you could, you could have it no matter what kind of diet or not diet you're on. It works with everything. Right now, Athletic Greens is doubling down on supporting your immune system, and they're offering my audience a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase visit my link today and you'll basically never have to buy vitamin D again. This is a a company that is really obsessed with having the correct formula for your body. And they call it the one holistic formula based on the latest research producing 53 iterations over the last decade and counting, they invest the most absorbable and natural source of each ingredient they invest in. So uh, basically that's that's a whole bunch of science saying um, the stuff is legit. It's it's an all natural and it's really good for you. So here's what you do: visit athleticgreens.com/granger. Join health experts, athletes, and health conscious go getters around the world who want to make a daily commitment to their health. Again, simply visit athleticgreens.com/granger and get your free year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs today. Alright, Bernie, round two. I'm gonna turn up the heat on you. Okay. The, t- the questions are gonna get intense. All right. Hashtag hot if, topics. If Here we I'm go. brave enough. I still don't know if I'm brave enough to click on a couple of these topics. Okay. Let me start with um let me start with an an easy this is super easy, we can make this quick. The, t- okay. the subject is Bernie. What is Bernie's educational background? Has he studied religion, theology, or psychology? <laughs> <laughs> um well i'm a college
4: dropout and i'm only a college dropout because i went to one community college class and i left before it actually started so am i technically a college dropout or i I mean i registered but i never went to the one class and then i never went back ever again so just
3: naturally smart well that's the answer to to her question
4: um uh My education is on the streets, okay? Yeah. Um, Okay, so no, no, I have not studied formally, studied theology. I have not formally studied psychology. Um, But on my own, I have studied both of those things, I think, far more intensely
3: than I would have if I would have gone when I was 19. Yeah, I totally get that. So. I've heard a couple people every once in a while. If you're watching on YouTube, I've seen some kind of comment that says, "Why is Granger looking at his phone while the other person's talking?" Guys, I'm not just sitting here scrolling through Twitter. I'm literally (laughs) I'm I'm looking at either the my my phone's on airplane mode. I'm either looking at the question or seeing how to tie in another question to what he's saying. Okay, yeah, just just take (laughs) it. Just calm down, guys. Okay this this title is uh, this is a tough one. It's, It's called My Decimation of Faith. It says, hey, Granger, my name is Thomas. I'm 20 years old. I'm a college student, 21 in December. From ages 13 to 18, I was extremely strong in the church. I attended, I I believed, youth groups, retreats, anything else you can imagine. I did it. At age 18, my faith was shaken. When I started asking questions, the consensus that I received from every conversation was to just have faith. And everyone knows it's pretty difficult to have faith in someone you've never met. What really has twisted me away from Christianity is this. When you get to heaven, God either tells you, well done, my good and faithful servant, or he turns you away. You're led into heaven by developing a relationship with him. But if the only way to get into heaven is to have a relationship with Christ, this accounts for roughly 31% of the world's population. The other 69% never makes it. And that's the only logical ex- explanation that they would just have to go to hell without a relationship with Christ. I find it extremely hard to believe that an almighty God who loves the entire world sends the other 69% of all the population to hell. This, amongst um, other similar is reasons, in Is why I believe that uh, this has driven me from the church, and I don't even consider myself religious at all anymore. The kicker is that I'm going through a really tough time, and I remember being able to pray and feel some sort of relief, which I have a desire to have back. So who do I pray to when there isn't anyone there? Thanks, Thomas. P.S. I'm a huge fan of you and you're a role model for everyone and the advice you provide with or without religion involved. Told you I was turning up the heat on yeah. you, Burns. Thomas, don't see where you're from, brother. Thank you, thank you. That's a that, man. That is a great question, and um, I think there's a lot of people on all sides of the fences that that go, yeah, man. That's that's a great question. Absolutely. I think it's awesome
4: that you're writing in the question. First of all, there's something. So I'm, I'm going to keep this really simple. Granger will probably jump in a little deeper and then I'm gonna I, I can comment as well. But um You might just answer it and I'll go that I was actually, perfect a I do. actually tattooed this on my body that I believe this so much. There's the word seek. Hmm. I really believe the reason I put this on my body is one, because I don't uh if I ever get to a place where I feel like I have found everything, I need to be reminded that. In this life, I need to continue and continue to seek more and more of Jesus, more and more of truth, more and more of Him. Never get to a place where I'm, oh, I I got it. And the other part of that is to get to a place where I tell people, this is what you need, because I think that's going to probably for you, what was his name? Thomas. Thomas. I think that may go in one ear and out the other. But brother, I would just beg you to continue to seek. And I have complete faith that
3: you are going to find what you are looking for. Mm -hmm. Yeah, seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. You you say here, you kind of answered a little bit yourself when you say, I remember being able to pray and feeling some sort of relief. And I have a desire, a desire. It's an interesting word to say, Mm -hmm. to have that back. But who do I pray to? when there isn't anyone there? The answer to that is you don't, you don't pray to anyone that's not there. Why would you pray? Why would you do that? That's a, that's a ridiculous idea. You're not ridiculous. That's a, but that's a ridiculous idea. That is a, as the Bible would say, that's a foolish idea. Yeah.
4: Or you just be praying to yourself because you're, you're living in a self-centered, yeah. self-controlled world that really is we're just floating here
3: yeah we're we are cosmic stardust that happened by accident um, if you believe in that worldview the atheistic worldview is that we um we really are an accident I heard it put this way like in, in the atheistic worldview we're we are a total cosmic accident so in that case nothing else matters Your suffering Thomas doesn't matter your, um, your desire to get to have relief doesn't matter. It's like looking at us, you, you, you look at a sunset on the beach and you go, this is an incredible sunset. That's the image of God saying that's the image of God within you thinking that, but an atheist wouldn't think that that's, that'd be the equivalent of you, you open up the fridge and you spill milk on the ground. And milk goes boom! It hits the ground, and it just spills on your kitchen floor. You don't look at the spilled milk and go, "That's so beautiful." Look at the shapes and colors. No, you don't. You just go, "That's a mess." Yeah, accident. And, that, and that's what a sunset is mm-hmm. in that kind of worldview. It's an. It's a, just a mess. It's there's no order. It's just a random, just explosion. And so, Thomas, you don't. I have a, a reason to empathize with your suffering. I have a reason to cry with you when you're in pain. I have a reason to celebrate w- during uh, when you have a great achievement. That's, that's the Christian worldview, is we have a basis for that. I reject the idea that just have faith. Mm-hmm. Hey, Thomas, I'm with you on that. Uh, you say... The, the the best you could, consensus you can get is just have faith. Dude, I agree. I think that's terrible. If if you're driving in a car blindfolded and you have four bald tires and you're going down a a windy mountain road, I don't say, Hey Th- Thomas, just have faith, man. That car's gonna get there. You're gonna go, that's ridiculous. You need a basis of your faith. Now, in the Christian worldview, our basis is the Bible. Our, Our basis is God's Word. There is a million reasons, and that's a different conversation of why we could believe that the Bible comes from God and why the Bible is true and why... It, the the way that it was written and how, over the course of how many years and by how many people and the the reason that that it's still alive and well today there's a re, there's many reasons why we believe that the Bible is true and so we base our faith on those words the word of God not on not on a blindfold on a mountain road so the, the thought within you that says something's wrong I don't feel right. I need to correct this through some kind of prayer. That is that is the image of God inside you. That is what Bernie's saying about seek that. Mm. Seek that thought. Yeah, I'm re- uh, go ahead. No, Finish no, no go ahead. Go ahead.
4: I, I was just gonna say, I'm realizing now that you said this guy's 20. It, was that right? That's Thomas said,
3: uh, 20 years old. Yeah. Thomas is yeah. 20.
4: Yeah. Thomas, I um I can relate to this. More than you probably know, whenever I was twenty, I remember being in Nashville. It was a room with kevi Kev, yeah, and I remember talking with <laughs> Melody one time uh, and tell just i I just kind of had this these things in the Bible that I was just like, I just can't get my head around that mm-hmm. twenty this this age that he is is a very formative time mm-hmm. in our belief system in in everything, and I just remember growing up the way I did, and and the kind of some events that had happened in my life brought me to a place whenever I was like, you know, 20, 21, that I was reading the Bible, I was just like, well, why is this true? I don't know if this is true. Why? You mm-hmm. know, you're just kind of in that place of questioning. Why isn't which, any other religion true? Which is great. Like, I think that we can be told, like, you don't need to question anything. No! God wants us to, like... To dig in and wrestle with him, and so what I did, and this would Thomas, this would be my advice, just practical advice. And this is what I did, and Kevi Kev can attest <laughs> to this. I took my Bible, and I took some music. And back then, back in the day, it was like the disc play, the CD, portable disc player. And I went out in the woods for hours and hours and hours. And I took my journal, my journal, some some music, and the Bible. And I would just go and sit and I would just wrestle and I would pray and I would look and I would read and I would write and I would just wrestle through all of this. And I feel like what came out on the other side, um, I really found something different than what I thought I was looking for, but something far better. And so I think, you know, Thomas, that would be my advice, man. Go lose yourself in the woods. I actually still practice this. That's awesome. I, I think that this is something we all need to do. And Jesus did. It said more often than not, he would retreat from the others to pray mm-hmm. and be with the Father. Like, go lose yourself in the woods. Take the word of God with you. Pray. Write in a journal. Write all the stuff that you're thinking. And then just kind of be still. So I want to dig
3: into the uh thirty-one and sixty-nine percent. Okay. Here we go. Yep. All right. I'm gonna go, I'm just gonna jump in head deep. Because like I said, Thomas, it's a great question. And uh, take what Bernie said and wrestle with this. But I want to ask you a few questions, which is hard on this podcast because I don't get to hear your retort. I want to ask you a few questions. One, you say you consider yourself not religious anymore. So what does it matter if 69% aren't saved? What does it matter to you? What does it matter if anybody's saved? Nothing matters. We're a cosmic accident Mm -hmm. in in that kind of worldview. So then you go, well, Well, maybe there is a God out there, but I just don't know if it's possible for us to know him. So then I would say this, if there is a God out there and a creator, and, and he would say, and I would ask you this, Thomas, so should he save everybody, every single person, every single human that ever was or ever will be, should he save them all regardless of their lives? And then you might say, well, like maybe not like the rape, rapist, rapist murderers. And so then I would say, well, okay, well, what's the level of rape and murder? Where it, where's the cutoff? Like, oh, we're gonna, we're, the the rapers and the murderers are gonna go to hell, but the the ones that just rape, maybe we'll just save them. No, we shouldn't, we shouldn't save them either. Okay, well, how about this, Thomas? How about just the, like the the verbally abusive. We will save them, but not the physically abusive. But my point is, where would the cutoff be to who is good? Because the Bible says none of us are. The Bible says we're all sinners. None of us are worthy of being saved. And that goes for you, Thomas. That goes for me and Bernie and everybody listening. The Bible says none of us are worthy of being in, in the presence of the almighty creator, because we're, we're, we're wretched. Have you ever lied? Have you ever told a fib in your life? Then you're a liar. Have you ever stole anything? Then you're a thief, right? None of us could, could rebuke that and go, no, I'm actually, pretty perfect. None of us could say that. So with, with that kind of mentality, and you realize that there is no cutoff of being, of between good and bad, between heaven and hell, then, then what if God said this? You're all bad. You've all messed up. So I'm going to send you a savior. I'm going to send you a savior to take on all of your pain, to take on all of your guilt and and all of your sin and take all of that burden. Believe in him and you'll be saved. So you could look at it this way. God loved the world. He loved, he so loved the entire world. Like you said, enough. To send his only begotten son, which means holy, set apart son, to earth to take the replacement of that, all that mess up. But he doesn't, this is key to your question, he doesn't love the world enough for you to reject his son. He loves the world enough to send his son for those to believe, but not enough for you to reject Him. So when you get down on your knees and you decide that you're going to say a prayer for relief and you don't know who to pray to, follow Bernie's advice and seek and say, God, I heard this message. And what I told you guys was the gospel. There is there is an almighty, holy God creator that became flesh, that came to this earth 2,000 years ago, to take on all that pain. He lived a perfect life and took on the burden of all your pain, Thomas, and all your mess-ups and all mine and all Bernie's. He took that on himself, was killed, was crucified, and took it all on himself and then was resurrected, proving his identity in front of hundreds of people. And this happened on this earth, the same soil where we walk. This happened. And that is the message of the gospel if you choose to believe in him. So when you pray, ask that, say, God, I heard this story of this guy, Jesus, and I just can't, I wrestle with the fact that not everyone's going to go to heaven, but then, but then I heard on the podcast and Granger was talking that, you know, but maybe he's right, that maybe none of us deserve it. So if 31% get in, like you said, I don't know where that number comes from, but if 31%, how could that even be possible that you would allow 31% when we're all bad let me know more about that. I believe this. I don't want to have blind faith. I don't want to drive on a mountain by myself with a blindfold on. That's ridiculous. That's foolish. I want to believe in you because this is the, what the word says. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open. And if you have to, tattoo it on your wrist like Bernie did.
4: <laughs> <laughs> I think that's great. So, before Thomas, before you go out into the woods Um, listen back to everything Granger just said, maybe write it down so that you can leave your phone at home. And, uh, but you can listen to
3: those words, take the word with you and go seek, man. That's the power of what we're saying here is not in us convincing you. It's not in us convincing anyone listening to this podcast on how eloquent my words are, how accurate I speak them or how, how influenced I can be to you. I cannot convince you intellectually or psych- psychologically or physiologically, whatever. whatever any other any way. Any, of the, any of the other ologies. Yeah. I cannot convince you. But the power of that message, the power of the gospel can. I'll leave you with that. Yep. Woo. All right. All right. <laughs> We're waiting out in the waters. We're in the water. Um, man. I struggle guys, because some of these questions are, um, let me go to this one. This is a good transition. It's called, how do you know if you're saved? Let's go there. Okay. It might be a good transition of what we just, we might be able to piggyback on that last message, but it says, Hey Granger, my name is AJ Coomer. I'm from Fort Worth, Texas. Shout out to Texas. First off, I love what you're doing for all these people. You have pulled, you have pulled me and probably many others closer to God simply through this podcast. I, I pray that you're right, AJ. I have one question when it comes to all of this. How do you know that you're saved? I know this is a very vague question to ask, but what I mean is this. How do you know that Jesus has forgiven you of all your sins and will allow you to join him and many others in heaven? That's a great right. piggyback from what we just
4: said. Yeah. So uh, I'm going to take, take this one. Go. How do you know that? Can you read the question one more time? Because I want to make sure I'm answering it specifically.
3: So it it sounds like AJ has listened to this podcast and he's yep. curious. Yeah, he's he's in the seeking mode. Yeah, he's ready to tattoo seek on his on his yep. wrist. He says, "I have one question. How do you know that you're saved? How do you know that Jesus has forgave? That's what he said. Yep. You of all your sins and will allow you to join him and many others in heaven. Okay."
4: Uh, I'm just going to pray that I communicate this correctly, because I have been studying this in the book of Luke, and I'm not the smartest. Some of you may think differently, but I'm not (laughs) the smartest, and retaining this and reciting it is is really tough. But there's a couple things that I go back to, a couple stories that Jesus talked about. Um, The story, uh, the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector, and... Uh, the parable of the children come, um, the children entering the kingdom of God. So if we go back to how to, so question is how do we know that we are forgiven? Okay, so let's look at this is this is Jesus, right? He was there in the beginning, created all of this. this is all you know moving towards the glory of him. he He knows the beginning and the end. okay, he's speaking this and he says this this parable about this Pharisee who in in that culture was very revered and um, respected and he kind of went up to the temple um, for this time of sacrifice and was really praying to himself but he acknowledged god and he was saying i've done all of these things i've kept your commandments i give to the poor um, and then he says, I haven't done this, and I haven't done that like the adulterers and prostitutes, and definitely like that tech, not like that tax collector. So he is separating himself and trying to, to work and show that, hey, this is how I am uh, worthy of atonement, and this repentance that you're talking about, this, this salvation that you're talking about, this is the way that he, Jesus says, this This was what the Pharisee did. But then a tax collector, which in that culture was like the lowest of loads. Scum of the earth. The scum of the earth. They had turned on their own people and then were taxing them and taking advantage of them. They were just outcasts. Um, that from far off, the tax collector saw what was happening, and he said, have mercy on me, this sinner. Not a sinner. He's saying the sinner. Like, I'm the worst. I recognize I am the worst. And and not only that, I have nothing. I haven't done anything. I've actually done everything against what this is saying for my salvation. But then Jesus says, This is the one that went down justified, and the other did not go down justified. He didn't go down saved, the Pharisee, although he was doing all this stuff. But the tax collector, who had done nothing but wrong, and then come and just pleaded for mercy, and in the original text, this is like saying, hey... Let the like you be the propitiation for me, you be the sacrifice so that I can be here, so that I can be saved. He recognized this, right? So, what that tells us is that this kind of like anything that we can do to earn this salvation and to feel like we are saved, there's nothing. But then, the very next passage in Luke, he talks about the children coming to him. And the disciples actually rebuked and said, you know, the parents were bringing even these infants, Jesus, and uh, the disciples were like, no, no. And Jesus said, let them come to me now, in, in the text, now, present, and don't ever hinder them from coming to me, moving forward. He's teaching them, saying, hey, because Unless you receive the gospel, receive the kingdom as a child, yep. you will not enter it. So then it makes me think like, okay, what does a child have to offer? How do they, Can they take care of themselves? Can they provide for themselves? No. They are fully reliant on their parents. So how do you know that you are saved? How do you know that you will accompany that Jesus has saved you and that you will accompany many others. I have to believe, one, that you have put your faith in Jesus and that you have given him every square inch of your life and that you go to him each morning and throughout the day saying, Jesus, have mercy. Please have mercy on me, the sinner. I rely on you For everything, and I think that what the gospel, or what the what the the word continues to tell us in different places, is there is a peace that surpasses understanding that will cover your heart and your mind. Yeah. I don't know if that's helpful, and maybe that's just something that I've personally been kind of digging into with you know a group of guys, and has just opened my eyes. I was I was more in the camp of, well, I got to do these things and I have to show people that I'm doing these things because then maybe I'll feel better about my own salvation. And
3: the word just kind of said, dude, you got it all wrong, man. So kind of what you're saying, Bernie, you're kind of answering it in the way that he asked it because he asked, how do you know? And that's why you answered that that way. Mm-hmm. How do you know that you're saved? Because he didn't say, how are you saved? Mm-hmm. How do you know? And And so that's... I I love that. And I want to dig into how how are you? Mm -hmm. You answered how do you know. I'm going to answer how are you because the Bible is very clear about how are you saved. You're saved by grace, meaning sheer love of God. Unmerited favor. Unmerited favor. Great. You're saved by unmerited favor through faith. Believe. Believing is the only requirement believing in that message and the message I said in the last question, and you're saved by unmerited favor. That's it. And you could find this over and over. This is what separates, guys. This is what separates Christianity from every other religion. And I'll, I'll take the heat. I'll take the fire. I'll jump in head first right now and just say this is what separates it from Buddhism, Islam, Judaism, LDS, Jehovah's Witness, Scientology, Every other one is faith plus works, typically. Works. Something that you do, something you act on, but Christians don't believe that. It's very, very clear in the scriptures over and over and all every time it's said it harmonizes beautifully with all the scriptures but it's very clear you're saved by faith by grace through faith not by works lest no man should boast you are not saved by anything that you do you're a sinner AJ and I'm a sinner and everybody else that's emailed and everyone that's listening we do not deserve it we deserve we deserve punishment for what for who we are and that punishment is paid in full. It's the, have you ever heard the analogy of the judge? Mm -mm. It's like the, the analogy of this, this kid gets arrested and he goes to face the judge and the judge is his father. And he stands, he sits there on the stand and the judge who is a a well-established judge looks at his own son at at the crime that he's done. The judge has to hit him with punishment. The judge can't say, well, you're my son, so I'm going to let you free. Someone has to pay for this. So the judge says, well, your, your penalty is $50,000. And the kid goes, well, that's great. Judge father, obviously the kid does not have $50,000. So then the judge sentences him to the $50,000 fine. He steps away from the podium, takes off his garment and he goes around the bench. And he puts his arm around the kid and he goes, I'm going to pay this for you. This is your penalty, but I'm going to pay it for you. And that's, that is the story of the gospel. Your faith is the only requirement. There is no works. That, now, no works is a reflection of the faith. You, how do you know you have a living faith? How do you know you're saved? Because you're, you're going to work the way, how you live your life after the faith, after you're saved after all that grace how you live your life after that is a reflection and that's why we see in James 2 he says that that faith without works is dead yeah the, the fruits of the spirit are evidence you're you're going to know yep. you're going to you're going to be overwhelmed by a conscience that goes i probably shouldn't speak talk like that i probably should clean up my filthy mouth mm-hmm. i probably shouldn't say that i should probably shouldn't look at that girl in that way I, you know the list goes on and on i probably shouldn't Take this five dollars from this guy because he accidentally left on the counter. I should probably go run him down and give him his five bucks back. And that's the overwhelming conviction that you'll have after faith. But Christianity, guys, is is saved by grace through faith alone, not by works. It's not anything after that, and um, that's what separates us from. LDS and Islam and Judaism and Buddhism and Hindu. I'm going to say it. I said this twice. I said the list twice so that there's absolutely no confusion on where my conviction is. And then anyone that's listening, if, if anyone's any, any confused at all on the Christ that I follow, I follow the one of the scriptures, um Sole Scripture scripturis, I think is the Latin mm-hmm. by the scriptures only. Um and we believe that uh that God's word is has maintained the flowers will fade but the uh the word of God will never die and we believe that we believe that it's it's the word of God i kind of feel like um i kind of feel like we're we're hitting these two questions hard mm-hmm. and um I apologize to anyone that's that's like i don't know but but um but this is really important stuff
4: don't apologize man those guys I, that are I, out there that are listening to it that feel that way hopefully they Respect you enough to uh, to at least recognize he's standing up for what he believes, and he's yeah. doing it in a way that not many other people with your kind of platform would do. There's definitely some, but um, they can believe different things and still.
3: I have respect for you. So I wouldn't apologize, well, man. Thank you, man. And I think we started this podcast by saying, I'm going to answer these questions with you the best way that I know how. And here's the yeah. question subject. How do you know if you're saved? That's where I'm going to go. Yeah. I'm going to tell you AJ exactly um, what I believe. And I'm going to give you the, the best evidence that I can with that belief so that we're not on the mountain driving blindly. Yeah. Burns. We're out of time, dude. All right, man. This was fun. Yeah. Appreciate you so much. Love you guys. We'll see you soon. Yee-yee. Thank you. Thanks for joining me on the Granger Smith Podcast. I appreciate all of you guys. You could help me out by rating this podcast on iTunes. If you're on YouTube, subscribe to this channel. Hit that little like button and notifications bell so that you never miss any time I upload a video. If you have a question for me that you would like me to answer, email GrangerSmithPodcast at gmail.com. Yee-yee.